0: We are back on uh, Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, A.J. Shaw running the board today. Doing a pretty good job. Doing a pretty good job. Uh, I also, appreciate that. Yeah, he also answers the phones, 537-1350. Other than accidentally sending off the breaking news sounder, it's been perfect. <laughs> so so apparently it's because I spit? Is that the reason why I went it's off? It's a touchscreen. It, listen, and this is some of the early advice I got when working the board um, yeah, don't talk in its direction. You know, one little uh, speck of DNA is gonna make that thing go berserk, and then you're trying to figure out what just happened. I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking out. Panic ensues, and then you're like, "Well, the only option is to completely shut down the station." You know, until we
1: figure this out. Well, let me hand just in you, our credentials. Let, let me just tell you how that's changed in the. 40-plus years I've been in broadcasting. You could have thrown gasoline on that screen when I first started on those old boards. (laughs) It wouldn't have mattered at all. A little bit different, right? A little bit different.
0: (laughs) I, I remember my first year I worked here. So Rob Velker, John Kurtz are still here. They're both doing the game. It's back when they hosted with Matt. And the show is over. And I don't know what they were trying to do, like reset a router or something. Okay, And... Velker pulled a plug and everything shut down. (laughs) It's the first and only time I've ever seen that board off. Really? It was completely off. The computer shut off. The touchscreen was off. It's been all the same equipment that ever since I started, it still (laughs) runs very well. But like something, he pulled a plug and something fried and it completely shut things down. I was like, holy crap. And, And Chris was like,
1: Oh, my God, what do we do? So it's like the scene in an airplane where the guy unplugs the – I mean, is it like that? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's like – That's crazy. We didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, yeah. how, how do we
0: fix this? So we had, like, calling a bunch of uh, tech people to say, hey, sure. we screwed up. <laughs> Don't know what to do here. Uh, did I welcome us back? I think I did. All right. Uh, big breaking news. An hour ago, Drum Tang has received his contract extension. It's officially official. After talking for months, when it would be officially official. Had no worries about it. It was just all about, just wanted to know when it's going to be here. It's here now, guys. Uh, and Jerome Tang has agreed to a seven-year contract. It is through the 2029-30 season. So he's you, your cat for uh, for the next seven seasons. And uh, he'll be making $3 million this year. And then that salary will be bumped up $100,000 every every, uh, every year after. But there's also a retention bonus, I guess. That's an extra 200000 So you can really see, you know, after this year, he'll be making like really $3.3 million, mm-hmm. Uh if you add in the uh, retention. And then I also found out the buyout will start at $6 million and then drop down a mil every year after that. So, And I was told that's a pretty good buyout. I'm not an expert on this. Don't come to me for <laughs> contract
1: expertise. That's just not my cup of tea. Well, there are some that, that study that for a living, Uh we probably wouldn't be in that category, but but I would say, I think we're all thrilled for Coach and his family, as Big we time. said last hour, and and for Gene Taylor and all the great folks at Kansas State, and and for the fan base. You know, uh, I think they're they're going to be really pumped up about this, and we're not that very far away from from getting practices underway, and you've got an exhibition game on November first, and a game in Las Vegas on November sixth, I believe it is. So, right around the corner for year two. There's so many new guys on the team that I'm like,
0: I remember saying, did you hang out with the team like for Shark Week or anything? Did you Not check Not too much out? on
1: Shark Week, but I had been over there earlier in the summer and, 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 and have watched some. I, I, I'm, I'm so excited to see, you know, kind of what they're going to be. Much like last year, you know, we didn't really know what it was going to be like early. Uh, if you go back and listen to that first interview that I did with Coach Tang, the exhibition game, what was his biggest concern? Turnovers. He might say that again, I don't know that. Lots of there's a, but this time, though, some of these guys have been through this before, and that will help. Last year, even though there was it was a veteran team in a lot of ways, everybody was kind of new to K State with a couple of exceptions. So'm I'm, I'm excited for them. I remember seeing that video, and I brought it up last week that
0: it was like Kurt Schilling, but through the toes where they're wearing <laughs> white socks, and I guess Tang and the crew. Ran them so much that one of the players was bleeding through his socks around the toes. I'm like, dang. Yeah. Like, they're not – this is Shark Week. He was bitten by a shark or something. Because <laughs> that was, that was kind of crazy. But, um, you know, they're just getting in shape and we're going to have our first game before you know it. No question. Actually, a matter of fact, I'm going to look that up. Because I, I don't recall when the first game – it'll be an no, exhibition. Yeah.
1: Emporia State, November 1st. There you go.
0: Yeah. A little over a month away. Yeah. And practice officially starts, is that today or this week? Uh, so I think women's basketball is
1: this week. Or I today. think it. Yeah, I think it is this week actually.
0: Yeah, because I know Mitty and I had to miss it unfortunately, but Mitty yeah. had a press conference today he along did. with yep. Aika Lee and Gabby Gregory and and some other players and um, and they're getting ready for their boy. You want to talk about and anticipate? Like this is a big season for women's basketball. Oh, I mean, it's no doubt it's gigantic. Yeah. like this is when it comes to build up and hype. Boy, I, I'm thinking. Nicole Aldi days, really? Yeah, like when it just comes to excitement, like what a team can be. It's been 20 years. It feels, at least, it feels
1: to me like that. Well, getting Yoki back is a really big deal, and Gabby, of course, had such a fine first year. But it's more than that. I mean, they've got yeah. some transfer kids. They've got a couple of kids that didn't really get to play a lot last year because of injury, and now you got the, the sides gal coming in, yep. Terrence Sides yeah. from, from Phillipsburg, a terrific high school talent. There's a reason everybody is excited. They they're going to have a very very fine basketball team, and and it should be a great winner when you when you look at all of the home dates for both men and women.
0: Well, K State football, meanwhile, has uh, hit the lull of the season. They're officially <laughs> in bye week mode, um, and uh, you know, I'll, actually, I'll let's see here. I'll go ahead and play you what Coach said Saturday because the topic is: Is this the perfect timing? for the bye week with everything considered coach was asked that question after the game
1: the fact that it's early in the season we got to play
0: eight games in a row stinks to be honest with you but we can't control that and the fact that I don't think we're playing our best football right now. Maybe it is coming at the right time so that we can fix some things, offense, defense, and special teams, because the one thing that I do know and I'm proud of those guys down there of the great resolve to find a way to win this game, but they know that we're not playing our best football yet. So you know, after hearing that and just going with my personal opinion, the way I lean right now is that it is the perfect time uh, for what Coach said. Is that they got a lot of things to fix, sure. a lot of things to tune up. Uh, but you know, I the injuries in a way have been, you know, and maybe this will be a whole season where they're just kind of trying to chase being healthy. But it kind of a lot of happened early on, right? At least it felt like after the Mizzou game, a lot happened at once, and it felt like there for a minute or two. Like it took a while to not have it feel like it was overwhelming.
1: Well, let's go back to last year for just a second because yeah. I think Coach Kleiman had said at the time, and I think he still understands that now, that the timing of that was. There's no such thing as perfect, but it was as close to as you could get, because you were a little bit more towards the middle of the season. Okay, this time it's a little bit more front loaded after four, and and so you're, you know, you're a third of the way through the year, right? And and these eight games will all be hard games for the most part, more than likely. Okay, Um, so I think if all things are equal, which they're not, but if they were, you'd like to have it another. At least a week and probably two down the road, probably two for sure. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. But I I agree with what you're saying, too. They want to work on some things this week and then get back into game mode next. And there are some things that, as he described there, you want to shore up a little bit on defense and on special teams and even offensively to some degree, too. Um, And and health is part of that. Not all of it, but it is part of it.
0: Well, and honestly, it was more concerning prior to UCF, the injury stuff. Yeah. Because you're wondering, okay, how – bad as will howard is he not going to play we might have to sit him for a game and then he has two weeks to heal up well now he played a game still has two weeks to heal up feeling pretty good there and the other part of it was like you know where is Jake clifton how you know is he still out for a while well, Who it was knows? a surprise
1: to get him back the for night. sure yeah i don't know that any of us saw that coming on top of that you know coach talked about maybe 20 to 35 plays for christian duffy he got 45 also, you you look, there's there's a couple of other guys that, I mean, Keegan Johnson, they were so excited about him in the preseason, and then he got hurt right before the year started. He's been really pretty slow-ish coming back. I think he had 52 snaps the other night. Is that, is that right? That's close. So I think so. I think you're yeah.
0: actually right. 52 sounds yeah. familiar, but that was also after Coach said, you know, hopefully we'll get him
1: 30. Well, true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, sometimes you have to understand, too, that there are circumstances in that that for sure, I mean, R.J. Garcia didn't seem to be really at anywhere near 100 percent, right? Right, and yeah.
0: you know that's after he's out after the first series and he's nowhere to be seen other than the sideline. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you're looking at you know what is he dealing with and how long is it going to take? Right now, you have because you know I don't I don't know how confident you are right now and how deep you would say wide receiver is, but you know, like Heegan Johnson is another example of. You know, he's, he's probably not playing 100% either. Right. I don't think he's playing his, I'll use the word, strongest football because, like, you know, when the interception was thrown, really, it was the, the, the defensive back, you know, kind of being a bit stronger than Keegan getting to the football. Mm-hmm. And, and what should have been, you know, Keegan maybe hopefully just beating him in aggressiveness.
1: Well, I think Keegan and RJ, uh, probably even Jaden, are not really at 100%. Maybe they they will be on that Friday night in Stillwater. Uh, I think there is at least a chance of that. We'll get more information on that uh, tomorrow at twelve thirty at coach's uh, press conference. Uh, but but another guy that came back that I was so excited about is Garrett Oakley. I think yeah. he. I think he. I mean, he didn't. He started the game, actually had one opportunity, I think one target was all he got, but believe yeah. me when I tell you he 's going to get more he, he will get more, and he will he, I think he's going to be a very productive player in time, so that will help too so you know you just you just hope a couple of weeks from now, or not quite, but you know a week from Friday you know is when they go again, and maybe all those guys are a little bit better now,
0: yeah I feel like
1: uh, you know Saturday was the
0: most use of multiple tight ends with Garrett Oakley being back. Will Swanson had a catch. Yep. I don't know if I, – I wouldn't really consider him the best pass catcher of the group of tight ends, but, of course, that's Ben Sennett. But, but Garrett Oakley, I mean, been hearing amazing things about him. Yeah, well, those two and, guys
1: can catch it, and yeah. and, and I think you're going to see Braden Lofton uh, be a guy that could, can do that. Uh, Will's probably known more as a blocker, uh, but that that isn't to say that he can't catch some. I, don't, I just don't know that he'll have the same opportunity as a – has it been Senate,
0: obviously? But I, I think where I lean more actually now than injuries is just kind of now it's time to maybe go back to the drawing board on a couple of things and try to, you know, in a way, sure some things up. Defensive backs, you know, work on the communication, work on, you know, who do you have? Don't let them get loose. And again, I thought I saw some improvement on Saturday, but it wasn't near close to perfect. Mm-hmm. But also, I, you know, I think special teams maybe need to be looked at as well. I mean, Chris Tennant did miss a couple of kicks. He did. And when you miss an extra point and twenty seven yard field goal, that's really gonna worry some folks. You know, is he now is he gravitating towards, you know, missing more kicks like he did against TCU or Iowa State, you know, or does he take these two weeks and get better and get some confidence back?
1: Well, I may be dead wrong on this, but after he missed the extra point, uh, if you notice the next couple of kickoffs, looked like he meant business. (laughs) So motivation can be an interesting thing. I hope he does bounce back. He has lots of ability, um, but has to be, I mean, this is an obvious statement, but just has to be more consistent in every way, really. Um, and, and Coach and I talked in the, on the television show about the fact that, you know, Jack Bloomer had a 69-yard punt the other night. That was the best effort of his, of his career. But in terms of the net punting and some of those other specialty things, he knows he can be better and needs to be better. So there's some work to do. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, and, and I guess that's – I'm excited about this team on a lot of levels if they can stay healthy because you have – and I've said, that, th- I said this before they played a game. You have those 15 starters back. you got some really good quality leadership with this group and a whole boatload of young players who are learning and making their way. If you can kind of get them all on the same page and headed in the right direction and stay relatively healthy – Who knows what they'll be like when we get to, you know, mid-October, late-October, mid-November, late-November. This is a long haul. And I do think they'll get better. Well, in this team, you know, going back to defense, they're still learning
0: to play without Daniel Green. And they had their first game without Deuce Green, who is, you know... you know, three-year starter or whatever, but he's really been playing for four, yeah. five, whatever. Six-year guy now, and hopefully we'll you know well, maybe get an opportunity for a seven. And maybe
1: we're a little spoiled too, from the standpoint. I'm just just being honest about this. That I said this last hour, I'm going to say it again. I think we've become a little bit spoiled from the standpoint of you. Echo Boydo is now a pro. Mm-hmm. He may be on a practice squad, but he's making a living playing football. Julius Brents, same. There were three guys in that secondary that are on NFL, and you see Juju made the play last yes, yesterday? Yes, he did. Forced on the, on the, to fumble. Forced to fumble. Yes, that was did. awesome. Okay, so here's the point. As much as we think of Jacob Parrish and as good as Will Lee has been, those guys still are not anywhere near what those other two corners were a year ago. Then you've got the situation with Kobe Savage coming off of a knee injury. I'm I'm not here making excuses. I'm just trying to make make the point that maybe we expected a little too much right out of the gate. And I do think this is a group that is going to get better. I love Jacob Parrish's coverability. I think he's a heck of a cover guy. Don't you? Yeah. I mean he was I think Will Lee has so much good football ahead of him. this, this isn't about that. This is more about experience. Okay. Is Kobe at 100%? I think he's probably pretty close, and I think he's a good football player. He's playing faster.
0: He is. I said it after the, the, the Troy game. I wanted to see faster Kobe yeah. Savage. In the last two games, he's been playing and faster. And they've
1: kind of gone back with, as I mentioned last hour, too, Vijay Payne kind of going back to the, the safety spot where he was most comfortable and played more last year, and I think he was better the other night. So they are working through some things, is the point, uh, and it hasn't been perfect. But I do think it's getting better and will continue to get better.
0: Yeah, just At least gotta, that's what you hope. It's just you know the big plays. It, it's been oh it, yeah, you know,
1: just too many in a couple of games, Correct. and it's been too that you know. Well, Missouri the they got, of the got game, exposed but, a little bit on yeah. on, and it wasn't just Mizzou's skill set. Okay, or Brady Cook played great, or Luther Burden played great. It was you know bad angles, missed assignments. There, it was kind of a a whole group of. of of issues there right I think and I said this too before I think we saw improvement the other night but a lot of people don't look at it like that because they gave up too many large plays and I understand I'm just trying to make the point though that this isn't the same veteran group as as what was out there in the championship season from a year ago but I think it is a capable group as they continue to play together which is also important and and grow and get better well, also,
0: on uh, on Saturday, we saw definitely not a healthy, but a playable Will Howard go out there and impress people. I was impressed by the way he performed, other than, of course, the interception and some <laughs> passes he wants back. I know he does. It wasn't the perfect night, but he ran the ball. And he's dealing with a leg injury. He's going to give us some behind the scenes of the recovery and getting ready for the Saturday win against UCF. And then, of course, the true freshman that started at, at Mike Linebacker. Austin Romaine. We're going to hear from those two cats when we come back on Wildcat Insider.
1: You're listening to Wildcat. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Welcome back to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner in the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, 537-1350, the phone number if you feel like chiming in as we talk Cats. We're going to hear from uh, Austin Romain from Hillsborough, Missouri here in just a moment, a true freshman who made his first start Saturday, and Will Howard, who, my God, was questionable, and I think it was a legit questionable (laughs) after hearing (laughs) Coach Kleiman talk. And It wasn't like Skylar Thompson two years ago when it was the Oklahoma game and, Rumors were flying around like, and, you know, it got to the point where coach had his press conference. And I was looking up. All right. What signs do you see in people when you can tell they're lying and stuff like that? And the Coach was checking a whole lot of boxes. I <laughs> uh, did not have to do that. I, it was ve- it was a very legit questionable and we'll put in a lot of work. We're going to hear from him in just a bit. But I got to say, you know, that was quite the performance, even though he missed some passes. He really did. Missed a couple of touchdown throws. He actually didn't have a touchdown pass um, in the game Saturday against UCF, but he still threw for 255 and uh, was 22. Of, uh, I'm sorry, 27 of 42 in the game with an interception. But he also still. I mean, he ran the ball and he looked. He didn't look hurt when he ran the ball. He wasn't selling it. Seven carries for 64 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, coach said it in post game that. To beat a team like UCF, Will, you gotta run the ball. Mm-hmm. It just has to happen, and he, you know he said himself that you know once he got that first one out of the way, once the adrenaline started getting, getting going, that he was gonna be fine. He, he I, I think he impressed a lot of people on Saturday.
1: Well, I, I think offensively, if, if you would have said to me that Will would throw for 255 yards. But K-State would rush for 281 and, and, and six touchdowns? I mean, you're going to think you're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. I love the 281 rushing yards, honestly. The, the, to me, that's where the game was won. You, you have the, the ball for over 34 minutes. Remember us last week talking about having it for 34, 35 minutes? Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. And, and then, as we said earlier in the show, the fact that you you basically give that team 140-ish rushing yards, that's, that's rock solid. I mean,
0: UCF was entering the game averaging 617 in, in total yardage, and K-State holds UCF to 143 yards on the ground, 264 through the air, and they, they did have a couple of pretty big plays through the year, including a 69-yard touchdown on a flea flicker. But you're you're still holding – let me let me get the full numbers here. You're still holding UCF to under – I mean, it was more than 200, less than their season average. Right. You held them to about two-thirds of what they have put up. And it wasn't against the toughest competition, but I'll still tip my cap. It's not an easy thing to do. you got to be a very good team to do things like that.
1: Well, you do. And, I, I, I again, we <laughs> – I just think that that is a pretty high-level offensive football team, and they are challenging with their speed and their ability to spread you out. Because of those three receivers and the ability to both run and catch of those two running backs, they stress you. They just do. And I think K-State competed, and and thank goodness they had that kind of time of – I mean, we haven't even mentioned this. But Kansas State had 32 first downs. That's crazy good, man. Twelve of those were rushing. That's that's a that's that's excellent. And I'm not going to lie, you know, you
0: know, K State did a solid job. If you if you look at the second half, and I know K State fans were maybe you know maybe the wind were, was a little bit out of the sails when K State was struggling a little bit towards the end of the first half, and you know UCF makes it a one score game, and then you know K State turns it on, and scores on what four straight possessions. In the second half, they actually didn't have very many possessions. I think it was four because they were holding on to the football.
1: Yeah, and and, and really that's another thing that I think you know people should look at because this K State's up 21 17 and a half. What happens to start the third quarter? Bang! Yep. Big return. Bang! Big play, you're down. But from that point on, K State was in my personal opinion, and again, I'm sure some will disagree with this. In my opinion, from that point on, K-State was the better football team really the entire rest of the second half. Do you agree with that? I do agree. And by
0: the way, yeah. you know who else was a factor in that second half? The people, the fans. Our fans no no did a phenomenal job. They had three delay games in, in a drive where they just couldn't hear. My hat's off to our fans because that was, that was electric tonight, and our guys really fed off them in that second half. It got loud. It really did. I could tell from the North thirty on the 6th floor of the West Stadium Center that you know third downs it got loud and delay of game penalties yep yeah, UCF started to shoot themselves in the foot a little bit with a number of penalties in I, the second
1: half you know i I've, I've said this for a long long time our fans when they are like that and they are like that in those types of games percent of the time it makes such a big difference it is such a hard place to play when that that place was on fire there for a while man they were so loud that was
0: awesome let's get to will howard again he was not even close to 100 percent. he was banged up playing injured and still leads k-state to 44 points offensively here is will howard after the game a lot of talks of course about
2: getting ready for the game being injured
1: was there ever any doubt you were playing tonight
2: Oh no, I, I was I was playing all week for sure. How was your body throughout the week? I know uh, we asked you last week; you're a little beat up. But how did you progress throughout the week? It was uh, it was tough. I'm not gonna lie. It was there was a lot of a lot of extra time spent in the in the training room. I gotta give a shout out to those trainers. They did it a heck of a job getting me getting me to where I where I was today, and um, I appreciate them you know more than they know. So uh, you know they, they did a lot of really good things for me, and um, you know a lot of it was kind of just pushing it early in the week to see how it felt and and you know I felt comfortable enough to you know keep keep pushing it throughout the week and you know I had had good days, had bad days, but you know at the end of the day I felt felt good enough to go today and I knew, you know, we could do enough to, to get it going and once the adrenaline got going, man, I was I was fine.
3: Do so you think you were gonna be able to run the ball as much
0: as you did?
2: Uh, personally you mean? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't really sure it was kind of gonna you know coach was kind of like you know let me know how you're feeling after those first couple drives and just kind of feel it out and um, you know I was he was like are you, are you good running some you know bypasses and stuff like that I said yeah let's do it so um, you know coach climbing said at the end of the game he said win this game you're gonna have to run the ball a little bit and I said I got you I, and you know it turns out I, I did it a, l- a little bit at the end there so I, I did what we had to do but man I mean, I didn't have to run the ball much when I would just give it to DJ and let him do what He did.
3: You mentioned DJ. What what can you say about this game?
2: Yeah, I think DJ uh had a had a heck of a game and I think that was that there was that was a long time coming for him. He had 200 plus yards I heard, so I mean, doesn't surprise me at all. I think that kid he has been he's been primed for it and uh he he was ready for the moment. And um you know, he he would tell you his o-line, you know, did did a heck of a job and but at the same time he I mean, he he made some holes for himself you know and he, he made some guys miss and and he played a phenomenal game that kid's a heck of a, of a player and, and seeing that I think him seeing that for himself is going to give him a lot of confidence going forward and just for that whole running back room too so th- this past week every free moment you had were you with somebody working on your leg <laughs> pretty much yeah pretty much I was literally every every time i was I was free I was doing something that you know try and get it you know massage or you know, some sort of stim or, you know, compression, something. I, uh, I did, did everything I possibly could, and the trainers did a really good job of helping me with that. So,
0: Compared to a healthy week, how much did you practice this week?
2: Uh, I mean, it, other than, like, maybe Monday, it really wasn't any different. I was, I was trying to push it as much as I could to, to see what I was capable of, and, and that helped me a lot. Yeah, Will Howard going through a lot of
0: stress, a lot of pain. A lot of time with the trainers to be ready for last Saturday's win against UCF. That kid really, really did not want to miss a game.
1: Well, that's what we were saying earlier in the show, too, because he, he is a gamer, isn't he? At, at the end of the day, he we all know right now that he's a pretty confident young man in not only what he brings to the table, but in this group, whether you're talking about the coaches or, or the, or the uh, players just the team in general, right I mean he's confident in what they are and, and what they're doing. And sometimes <laughs> you do have to pay a little bit of an extra price to 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 get to where you want to be and and he did that clearly this week. I mean not think about what he talked about there with all of the little bit of extra moments that he had. He's working to get better with that leg um, and, and had a lot of help with, you know, all of those trainers. I mean, Matt Thomason has been around forever. Mindy Hoffman's been here a long, long time. They do great work. But it, I'm sure it's more – they would be the first to say it's that whole staff that, that helped out in this particular situation. By the way, uh, so
0: if you haven't heard, DJ Giddens, Offensive Player of the Week in the Big 12 where he runs for 207, four touchdowns, also 86 yards receiving on eight catches, did not score on the catch. But you were asking earlier if I had – if i could find anything of yards after contact mm-hmm. i found yards after catch i don't know if you saw that number yeah but it's uh, he had 86 yards receiving 68 was after the catch so wow. on the run <laughs> that's a ton yeah. that is a lot of
1: yak yards On that number of yards
0: with catches, Philip Brooks had a similar game against uh, Troy. Mm -hmm. Of you know, his
1: yards after catch were very impressive. It wasn't 68, but it was 50 something. I'll repeat this again. Uh, I had a friend of mine text me this afternoon and said, in watching his 30 carries, DJ's 30 carries, he counted 11 broken tackles. So he did a terrific job. Meanwhile, uh, on
0: the other side of the football, you had a true freshman starting for the injured for the year, Daniel Green, in Austin, Remain a true freshman out of Hillsboro, Missouri. He finished with three tackles and a tackle for loss, plus a quarterback hurt. He was very close to a sack. Mm-hmm. Very close to a sack. He'll get one soon, I feel like. He's, uh, I tell you what, after the first couple of plays, he really got comfortable and uh, started to play actually pretty decent, so... The media also got talked with Austin Romain after the game. Here's a part of that interview.
3: Like kind uh, of before this game, getting your first start. Um, a little bit, a little bit nervous. You know, it was it's pretty crazy being having my first start in the Power Five game. But um, all my teammates kind of had a lot of encouragement for me. So once I went out there and got that first play, and it wasn't too bad. Did you feel like it was a pretty clean game from you from a individual standpoint? Um, I feel like I'm gonna have to go back and look at the film on some of them. But main thing was playing hard on some of my fits and things like that. But um, overall, I felt like I did
2: What were some of the good. adjustments you had to make during the night?
3: Um, some calls and things here and there. Um, I got a lot of help from Austin Moore. Um, he was made a lot of the adjustments kind of for me, and I echoed a lot too. But um, when he was out and outside the box, I had to make those calls
1: too. Coming out against this offense, they averaged 617 yards a game coming in. How difficult is that to face it? Now that you've seen it on the field, you know you're able to hold them to... <laughs> almost 200 yards less than that
3: tonight. Oh uh, Yeah, they were really fast tempo, um, but I feel like also we practiced against the scout team did a really good job of doing, um, having fast tempo and things like that. So getting lined up and things wasn't wasn't too bad.
2: 365 days ago, you're kind of playing small class high school football. And now you're going up against UCF in their first ever Big 12 game, your first game. Um, what were your emotions like when you knew that you were going to get the start?
3: Um, I was kind of, Kind of like pause for a second. It was kind of crazy to see. But yeah, I just never really thought I'd be in this situation this early. Um, but I, big credit to my teammates. They uh, really helped me prepare for this. Um, the older guys, Austin, Deuce especially. Uh, ever since I got here in the spring, Deuce has been uh, nothing but helping me out with everything, calls and things like that.
0: Once again, that's uh, the KSA Media with Austin Romaine after the game. True freshman who play, who's, uh, started at middle linebacker. Going back to the question, he was just asked, you know, how would you assess your game? How do you think you played? He said, you have to go back to the uh, to the tape and watch it back and fix some things. And, you know, I, I rewatched the game today, as I do after every game. I watch it starting about noon and just kind of really take it in, try to examine a few things. I watched Austin Romaine play, and I got to say, he, he – you know, I think on the second play for UCF, which was a 48-yard run, I believe, for Johnny Richardson. It would have been the second biggest play of the game, and it was the longest run of the game for UCF. I believe, if I watched it correctly, so Austin Romaine is playing middle linebacker You have Austin Moore to his right. And when they noticed it was a run, they attacked the gaps. But it left a wide-open gap for a long run, and by just by where everybody was positioned, that was probably Oscar Romain's responsibility. Outside of that, I didn't really notice anything that was like, eh, that's not a good play. That's uh, something to work on." You know?
1: Yeah, I don't think there were a lot of glaring things, but the, the play you're talking about, I, I do remember that, and 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 you may be accurate there. Uh, that that probably that was one of the fits he was talking about. Uh, I guess I will just say this. I shake my head at where he is at right now when you think about, as the question was stated there a moment ago, a year from now or a year ago, you know, you were playing high school football in pretty small level Missouri high school football. And now here he is with this. But boy, what did he talk about? Learning. He was here in the springtime, which was big. Right. Mm -hmm. Paramount. If you're going to get on the field that early as a freshman, I'm just again, everybody has their deal. Some come, you know, in the springtime or semester time, others wait till June. But I don't know that he would have been able to do that without being here in the springtime and learning from guys like Austin Moore and and Deuce Green. I'm just being honest about that. And I think that this guy at 6'2 and 235 pounds is going to be a really good football player in time. You know, I'm curious to
0: see how things change for the Mike Linebacker position with the week off now that Jake Clifton is healthy. Yeah. Because Jake Clifton is kind of a, like a backup plan for all three positions because he has been practicing at all three positions, but he got hurt in game one. So has Cooper
1: Beebe on defense. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Seriously, I mean, I, I've been around here a long time. I, I can't remember another guy. There, no, there may have been one or two. But I can't remember a guy who probably has been, when the season started, the number two guy at all three linebacker spots. That's hard. And yet Jake does it, and, and boy, did they, they miss him. It was great to have him back. And now with, with, with Romaine coming along too, and, and let's, let's remind ourselves here that Clifton is a true sophomore. He hasn't redshirted or anything. He played, he's from Owasso, Oklahoma, played last year right out of the gate, played in 11 games. Not a ton of snaps, but but got in there played played quite a bit on special teams, so he's still a relatively well not relative he is still a very young player, and so is Austin Romaine. So that that uh, as much as it hurts to lose Deuce, um, those guys are making their way. And I tell you what, I think you know one more thing. If
0: I I want to say about the defense real quick that I don't think has been talked about enough. And that is how strong they've been on third down. If they can get to third down, odds are in their favor. Great point. You know, of course it depends on, you know, where the ball is at in the down and dis- or the distance rather than it's third down and one or third down and six. You know, if of course the coaches would prefer third in as long as possible. K State, right now, and I've heard coaches talk about this in in past years like, we got to be better on third down, we got to get off the field, we got to wrap up these drives because we're just giving up too many third downs. And you know, maybe that was an issue a little bit in the Missouri game of giving up some third downs and sometimes not getting off the field. But right now, K State's defense not only are they top 10 in the nation in tackles for loss, stopping the run, but they are one of the best teams in the country right now through four games. In stopping third downs, not allowing third
1: down conversions. 32% opponents on third down are 18 of 56. Meantime, K-State's offense, 31 of 57, 54%. That's good. So your thought on third down both ways. Both ways is good. Now, if you're easily triggered, (laughs) earmuffs,
0: because you might not want to hear this. Okay. Right now, the number one team in the country in converting third downs
1: Kansas. is the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we talk about when, when you experience matters, right? And what was the stat we gave on this show before anybody even played a game? They had 91% of their offense, yeah. offensive production back from last year. 91%. They should be good. Loving these numbers right now in the K State defense. <laughs> uh, they're top.
0: I, I do believe they're still top five in the net. or top ten in the nation and stopping the run. Top five, I want to say, in tackles for loss, um, which is huge. Sack numbers are in the top ten. I mean, they're off to a, an extraordinary pace. Like I wish I had the numbers or the database to just really start digging deep into the numbers and see what kind of pace they are on compared to. Other years, are like four games in because I, I saw that going, in, going into the UCF game. K-State, I, I don't remember, I think they had 28 tackles for loss heading into the UCF game. And that was the best start since 2007. And now you attack on eight more mm-hmm. against UCF, like that's got to be a crazy good pace. Well,
1: you can always, in a lot of cases, make numbers say kind of what you want them to say. But in some instances, they are what they are, though, too. And here's the, here's the comparable difference between K-State and their opponents so far. And I think most people would say that SEMO was a pretty representative FCS team. Troy was decent. Mizzou was pretty good. UCF was pretty good. All that fair? Yeah. Okay, here you go. K-State, 36 tackles for loss with their defense. The opponents, 15. K-State with 14 sacks. The opponents with five. Those are numbers that matter. Along with those third downs. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, let's, let's go back and, and uh, make one more, one more point here because at the end of the day, games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have good quarterback play, and there's a lot of things that go into it. But when you look at it, K-State is averaging 6.5 yards of play. The opponent's 5.4. Huge monster difference there monster difference all right we need to take our last break
0: and when we come back uh look a little bit into the big 12 this weekend next at insider all right Wyatt, let's uh finish up wildcat insider taking a look at this weekend in the big 12 uh like we mentioned earlier the newcomers went 0 and four in their first tries of trying to win a big 12 game somebody's gonna win their first game friday
1: and Cincinnati, there's a reason for that. Yeah, and
0: Cincinnati's playing at BYU. <laughs> that's on a Friday. It's a, that's a 9:15 kickoff. So your mark is, uh, is getting those late kickoffs like they wanted, I guess. But um, I, I don't think know. that'll be a pretty well-watched game, actually. I tell you what, Keen Slovis has been impressing me a little bit more week by week. At first, I was like, boy, I'm not sure about this guy. <laughs> and now he's, he's putting up some pretty big numbers.
1: And, and I really thought Cincinnati – had a pretty good showing against Oklahoma. We said earlier that they really have struggled through the entirety of the season in the red zone, but I think they're a representative team. Can they go on the road against a pretty physical BYU team? BYU played pretty well at Kansas, but you can't throw two pick sixes and win road games.
0: Now I I would do the research if we had power cat game day this week, but it would be a lot of work, I think, potentially to figure this out. The Big 12 does not have an 11 a.m. game this Saturday, and I it just I, I would guess it's been a while since that has happened. Uh, but you have three Big 12 games at 2:30, so I guess if you're a YouTube TV subscriber, you got the four, you can do the multi-game four games at one time. You got that benefit, but of course you know and crazy as it is, because this game used to be mocked because KU would take a bad team to Austin and beat Texas. Number twenty-four, Kansas, is at number three, Texas, a two-thirty game on ABC, and Texas does come out as as a seventeen-point favorite. Uh, You probably could speak for a lot of people around here. You, as much as you don't like Texas, you're probably rooting for the Longhorns to get a convincing win to maybe humble the Jayhawks a little bit.
1: Well, this could be a very intriguing game, but KU is going to have to play. Really quality defense, I think, here to have a yeah. shot. And I say that because Texas, through their 4-0 start, Quinn Ewers has already gone over 1,000 passing yards and nine touchdowns in four games. You can say what you want about you know a lot of things, but he is a better football player than at any time last year, and I think he's proving it. And this will be, be a challenging game for Kansas. Can they do enough to be in the game and have a real shot? We'll see. Yeah, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions
0: for Quinn Ewers. That's impressive. Yeah. and thats a, I mean, that's a kid that just put up an amazing performance a couple of weeks ago at Alabama. Mm-hmm. No signs of slowing down right now. You know, I, I find actually this game quite intriguing. It's Houston at Texas Tech. Texas Tech, you know, they were feeling extremely confident about being a contender for the Big 12 championship. Well, they just lost at West Virginia. They're dealing with Tyler Shuck being out for the rest of the year. And now they're going to be playing – their backup quarterback from last year and Donovan Smith, who you know, Houston's two and two, and Donovan Smith is another
1: guy that's already thrown for a thousand yards this yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. The difference there, he's been picked three times and has thrown five interceptions. That's not exactly Quinn Ewers, but it's still or five pretty, touchdowns. Yeah, still yeah. pretty good though. Um it's interesting, I, I have I don't think Houston is great and I think tech has struggled. But the fact that the game is in Lubbock still makes me makes me say this is the Red Raiders game until they prove otherwise.
0: Well, they, they Sam Brown they have a wide receiver. I think that's pretty underrated, um, and he hasn't Houston, got a touchdown yet. Yeah, Sa- for yeah. Houston, mm-hmm. yeah, Sam Brown because he's averaging about gosh nineteen twenty yards. A, a he's a good player. Right now. Yeah, he's yeah. he's been really solid. It's just unfortunately for Houston they're just not a great team. Uh, let me get to my back, back to my page here. Um, so again, not a lot of marquee games this week for the Big 12. But Baylor's at UCF, Iowa State at Oklahoma State, and then you have West Virginia at TCU for a seven o'clock kick on on ESPN two. I guess when you just don't have the cats in the lineup, you're gonna have just maybe one marquee game right now. But also, I mean, the Big 12 only has three teams
1: ranked in the top 25. Right. I do like the West Virginia TCU game though. I think I think the Mountaineers will give them a run.
0: That's gonna do it for Wildcat Insider Wyatt. As always, I appreciate you coming by and talking to me for a couple of hours. Absolutely. Loved it. Thank you. That's going to do it for the show. Again, we're back for a full two hours uh, for next week's Wildcat Insider. On for only an hour tomorrow from 4 to 5 with the Royals playing for A.J. White. I'm Mitch. Go Cats.
1: Getting you closer to the locker room than anyone else. This is Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider, an exclusive
0: presentation of the flagship station of the K-State Sports Network. News Radio 1350, K.